Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Uh, I guess I'm okay. All right. Know. Glad uh, to hear it. <laughs> how, are, how are you doing? Are you by any chance excited about Avatar 2? No. Oh. No, of course not. <laughs> Why uh, would well, I, I be? You're very much in the wrong. It's, I'm super excited for Avatar 2 uh, because I loved Avatar and... Uh, James Cameron doesn't make bad movies. So, uh, you know what? That's, that's true. I mean, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of impressive stuff in the first avatar. I think so the, I mean, the trailer came out at this point, like a, a couple weeks ago, you haven't watched it yet. If you're a fan of the first avatar, I'm sure you look at the trailer and think like, it's more of this. So well, I haven't great. I haven't watched it. I generally try to avoid trailers, uh, yeah. as a rule, but I, especially if, if there's a movie like, you know, if the John Wick four trailer comes out, I'm not going to watch it. Cause I know 100% I'm going to see John. Wick sure. 4. That's how I feel about avatar. I know I'm going to see this movie. I'm looking forward to it. I don't need to say, I don't need a iota of convincing. I can, and I can wait until the movie. I'm I, very excited. I don't about know if I'm going to see it. And, okay. and I didn't like, I was kind of feeling like, eh, I, I don't really, it's odd. Cause I try to, apparently with the exception of the fast and furious movies, like I try to see like what people are talking about for the purposes of this show. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like I, I didn't really, I, I, people know I didn't really like the first avatar and I certainly didn't care about anything else that he wants to do on that planet. Um, with those, I'm going to put quotes around characters. Um, (laughs) and, and then I saw the, and then I, I watched the, trailer out of curiosity and and the trailer did absolutely nothing for me because it just looks like more of that which my, which is probably enough to get a lot of people to see it because a lot of people really like the first avatar um and i'm i'm genuinely very curious because it comes out later this year i'm really curious to see how well it does because while the trailer was viewed like like hundreds of millions of times uh, worldwide, like within the first few days, I think I, I saw, I might be uh, getting my numbers a little bit wrong, but um, you know, people are like, Oh, I just, people couldn't wait to watch it. But then when I look at certain, uh, like a lot of Twitter reactions, most people said like, eh, some of this animation doesn't look that great. Uh, and then other people said like, you and I follow different people on Twitter. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I would say my my Twitter feed is uh, pretty largely enthusiastic, pretty pro okay. pro Cameron. But I said like I made this point about uh, a similar point about a movie on the um, Movie Journal um, most recently. But um, I think there's also there's genuinely people like me, like James Cameron, yeah, and, uh, and like his movies. But also, I think we are we are particularly starved for movies at this level that are still a tourist, that are still visions, yes. you know, yes. because I mean, you, you and I were just talking about, Oh, how much of it will, you know, it's impressive how much of Sam Raimi there is in Dr. Strange too. We have to like, you're not going to worry about that with James Cameron. James Cameron is going to put all of himself into every, uh, every movie. And I think people um, are looking back at 
you know, this you saw this similar thing with, and I'm guilty of it too. I think Ambulance is Michael Bay's best movie ever, and you saw a lot of love for Ambulance, and I think it is because it's it's a sense of looking back at like the '90s and realize. And, and going like we didn't know how good we had it or we didn't know how much worse it could get and the I, fact that there are like big budget studio auteurs it, it gives you something to look forward to that's not just another link in the marvel chain and you know it's 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 interesting because uh i did not look up like the reviews for ambulance i don't know what anybody thought of it but i myself i'm not a michael bay fan uh, I'm infinitely more of a James Cameron fan than I am a Michael Bay fan. Yeah. And yet I did feel it was a very palpable when I heard that ambulance was coming out. I heard what it was about. I heard that he made it. And I thought like that might, that would be nice. It'd be nice to go back to this. And so that like, even when it's, even if it's bad and, and maybe the, you know, apparently the film is, is mostly not, but even if it's bad, at least it's distinct, you know, and I'm, it would appear that like, I mean, at this point I've seen every Marvel movie. Um, and so it appears that I'm just like on board with, with, with seeing all of those, but as a result, like it, it does make me appreciate it certainly, you know, around awards bait time, you know, it, it, I appreciate those, but I would appreciate those anyway, but it does make yeah. me appreciate something like, um, like ambulance, maybe even like avatar and going back a few years, uh, I feel like if I were to rewatch, um, Jupiter ascending, I feel like I'd, I, I, I'd, I feel like I'd probably like it more now because it's at least someone who it's at least directors that are trying to do something instead of a studio that is trying to keep doing something. Uh, and I think there is a difference there. And so for that reason, I might, you know, I, I might be interested in seeing the the new avatar, but, and it's tough because I, I do consider myself a James Cameron fan. I just am not an avatar fan. And part of me is bummed that he has just doubled down on this. Uh, I would have loved if he, if he, you know, made not another Terminator movie, but just like hell, if he made uh, another true lies type of uh, movie i'd be i'd be thrilled did you see alita i did yeah. and i enjoyed I, I never, it i never saw that one yeah i, 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 I liked really it. wanted to see that yeah and it's and i do feel like there's probably an episode in what we're talking about which is like a new appreciation for autourism even if it's not very good <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah but i mean i'm on the i don't know how much i have like Cause I, I genuinely liked ambulance, but I don't know how much uh, am I like, uh, uh, rounding up because, uh, I needed something like that because we don't yeah. have it anymore. Or do I genuinely think ambulance is head and shoulders above Michael Bay's work up to this point? Um, I'd like to think that I'm self-aware enough that it's the latter, but maybe I am more influenced, which means maybe I like avatar even more sure. than I did the first time. Cause sure. I, um, I definitely had my issues with, uh, some of the bone dumb dialogue in, in, in avatar, you know, <laughs> definitely the Michelle Rodriguez saying, uh, saying I didn't sign up for this when it's like, no, yeah, that's, that's first, literally the, your yeah. job. <laughs> it's like, did you, I would venture to say you didn't read a word of your contract. Yeah. <laughs> I love, but I love that this podcast has been going so long that you and I had this exact conversation 13 years ago. No, <laughs> so, I know. Uh, all right. Um, um, 
Well, let's, uh, uh, we have a topic to get to, but first I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Um, I was listening today. Uh, it's been a while since I used this segment to highlight, um, someone who passed away. So I will, uh, say RIP to, and I never know how to say his name because it's a very strange spelling. Uh, Trevor Stranad, I guess, something like that, um, from the band, uh, the Black Dahlia Murder, um, who, uh, passed away very suddenly, uh, a little over a, a week ago. Um, very sad to, to see him go. I always, uh, liked the Black Dahlia murder. Uh, my only problem with the Black Dahlia murder is uh, how are you going to be a band from the Midwest and name yourself after the most famous murder case in Los Angeles? Sure. You should have saved that name for a Los Angeles melodic, right. melodic death metal band. In any case, <laughs> um, uh, RIP to Trevor Stranad um, and Black Dahlia murder music sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are available at a low, low, play, low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. Uh, but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler? Yes. Uh, we're back. And I... Uh, 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 there's a number of things that have made me think of this topic today, which is, okay. which is about, um, I thought about referring to it as accessibility, but that word has different connotations. Sure. Um, various different connotations. Um, so I guess what we're going to focus on is just the availability of movies. Yeah. Uh, I remember you, I can't remember if it was, Pretty sure this was on the podcast because mo- like ninety three percent of our conversations happen on the podcast. But you said something about when you went back to 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 grad school as a as a as a grown man. Yeah. Um, uh, you were uh, surprised and and maybe even a little self conscious about how much your younger classmates, people in their like young, early twenties knew about movies like how much they had seen yeah but uh i i was i was i've been thinking about that a couple other things that come up but part of part of the reason that's true is not because you were slacking off when you were 18 or 19 it's because true yes stuff was harder to find then and this i'm trying i don't i want to avoid this episode sounding like we're like kids today don't know how good they have it like we don't want to i don't want to sound like an old fogey or whatever. I will say they don't know how good they have it. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying like as a, co- a condemnation of them, but you mentioned like working hard. And when you, when you mentioned this, this topic, the first place my mind went was I went to so many 
video stores in Springfield, both calling and just driving to looking specifically, boy, this is a nerdy story, looking specifically for Buster Keaton's The General. And I finally found it at a video update, like, like 25 minutes away. And I drove up there and got it. And I was so excited. Um, Like it was, and now you can just, you can just rent it, you know, and it's, and granted there's that idea of like, Oh, the thrill of the hunt. And that's fun. But at the same time, like, you know, that's 25 minutes uh, just to drive there. Yeah. Not uh, counting all the calls, not counting all the other stuff uh, that I could have been spending watching movies. You know what I mean? It probably, yeah. I probably uh, could have watched two movies in the time it took me to <laughs> drive to and research uh, finding the general uh, on V on muddy VHS, by the way. Um, yeah, but I, I, that's a great example. Um, but I guess what I really want to talk about is what has this done to the expectations Mm-hmm. I think because, you know, we've started to see, I mentioned ambulance, uh, before mm-hmm. ambulance w- was available on demand and is now currently like streaming on like, uh, you know, subscription video on demand. If you have Peacock, if you have mm-hmm. Peacock, you can watch ambulance, uh, right now, with no additional charge, you know, this movie opened in theaters like six weeks ago, seven yeah. weeks ago, something like that. And, and, that 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 pipeline has gotten so so quick but part of it i think is the fact it's part of it is anti-piracy and sure. the reason it's anti-piracy is because viewers under uh, uh, a certain age have become so accustomed to everything being available or as much as possible being available all the time that i think i remember before HBO had their own platform, their own OTT in industry terms, the, like it was like HBO Now or HBO mm-hmm. Go, depending on whether you had a subscription right. to HBO. Anyway, before that existed, HBO was still doing the thing of like they'd air a season of Game of Thrones, and then the next that that season of Game of Thrones wouldn't come out on the home video until closer to the release of the of the next season. Yeah this is what they did with all their shows. And this was like standard. This wasn't just an HBO thing. This was standard practice um, for, for the TV to like TV on home video pipeline. But I remember seeing, um, uh, I, I can't remember where it was maybe from like the oatmeal.com or whatever, but it was like a web comic, basically making the argument and feeling fully justified, making this argument that it, during that time, the fact that, Game of Thrones season one or season two, whatever, wasn't available to legally purchase or stream or watch anywhere was an ethical justification for torrenting that. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and like, and it's, it, I, <laughs> this was like 10 years ago, but I still remember feeling like, uh, I guess I'm an old man. Like that's the, that doesn't seem like it's a, a justification, but I think people have become so accustomed to, to to things being available that if something's not it's like well that's the studio's fault that's the studio's blunder for not making it available because people will you know this is what we learned from you know napster destroyed the record and record industry or upended the record industry and then itunes came along and was like proved that like 
No, people will pay for the same thing they're getting for free for Napster if we yeah. make it easy for them to do to, to do so. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people now have that mentality with movies and TV that like, no, I'll watch this legally as long as it is available to watch legally. If it's not, then I have no moral objection to watching yeah. it illegally. It's, you know, it, it reminds me in a way of, uh, I'm reluctant to, uh, to quote a Louis C.K. bit, but... Uh, sometimes his stand-up was just like so right, yeah, spot on. Grammy was, uh, exactly, deservedly so. I think, uh-huh. um, especially these days, um, we we just all need to laugh, David. Um, but but uh, yeah, I believe he was on he was on Conan, and he was talking about um, he was talking about like uh, being on a on an airplane, and they were touting like, hey, now with free Wi-Fi. Like it was a new feature. And then like five minutes, five or 10 minutes into the flight, uh, the pilot came on and said, Hey guys, just letting you know that uh, sadly our Wi-Fi is, is not working on this plan. And we're, we're, we apologize. And like the guy next to the guy is like, this is bullshit. It's like, you just found out about it. You just found out. It's like, it goes, you, you immediately felt like you were owed this thing that 10 minutes ago you didn't know existed. And, and I, I think that's tremendously funny, but also I do think that that's that idea. And this is where, yeah, you and I will sound old. And I think where, where a person sounds old is when they start to get a little bit uh, judgmental of the way things are done now. Uh, and, and maybe we will when, you know, when talking about like Ill- illegal downloading and, and torrenting and stuff, maybe, th- maybe so, but you know, it, it really is one of those things that like, I mean, there was a time when I remember when I was a kid, I was like, I'll bet there are enough hints in the Simpsons so that you could figure out what state Springfield is in. And I was like, and I felt like, but how can I, how can I figure it out? I was like, the only way to figure it out is to record off of TV reruns, every episode of the Simpsons, because there were no box sets. There were no DVDs. Like there was maybe, uh, the occasional, like uh, single VHS of like, uh, like three episodes of something like three episodes of Batman, the animated series or something like that. Um, yeah, I remember my, the first video star I worked in had, um, uh, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like it would be like here's, yeah, four episodes on the tape or yeah. whatever. Yeah, you got into the late '90s, and I remember like we had uh like season uh, at the video update where I worked, we had like the first season of the X Files on VHS, um, and then you know they did that with Sopranos, they did that with HBO. So the idea of of home video being like a way to catch up on television, um. I think started to come around, but yeah, for a while, this idea of like, Oh, you missed it. Like you didn't get to see the movie in theaters. So you're going to have to wait about nine or 10 months to see it on video. Uh, if you miss it in the second run theaters, you know, I don't even know if second run theaters exist anymore because second run at this point is watching it at home, you know? Uh, yeah. Well, the one, the one near me doesn't exist anymore. The North Hollywood one doesn't exist. That's the one you're talking about? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Is there still that Pasadena one? I wonder. I, I don't know. 
I mean, it was the pandemic that killed the one in, in North Hollywood. Um, I don't know about the one in Pasadena. Yeah, the same, same company. Though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so the, uh, and, and certainly with TV shows, I mean, it's why, it's why, you know, summer reruns were such a big deal because you, you, it was the only way to, to catch up on things. Uh, if you missed, if you missed something, um, and yeah, now it really is this, there's this feeling and I wouldn't even say it's entitlement because it's just how things are now. Like it really is, you get something immediately and I'm no different. Like I'm like, I was at a, where was I? I was at a diner recently, uh, that didn't have Wi-Fi, and for some reason, and like the, the data on my phone wasn't working. So I was, I was just like, I was like in a horrible mood because I wasn't able to like distract myself with like a YouTube video or something while I was eating. Um, and the, uh, you know, I, I think there is this feeling of like, well, this is the new normal. And thus we are, we are all owed this thing. Um, so, so that kind of gets back to this, this, this idea that you're talking about, like feeling justified in, in torrenting, but now, you know, I don't, I'm sure people still torrent stuff, but. Oh, I know they do. Cause I, okay. uh, I see lots of talk of it on, uh, on, on Twitter. Um, but like, what are the, what, what exactly are they, are they well, torrenting? Is I mean, it, there's, uh, you know, sometimes it's, um, foreign stuff that's not, uh, sure. Uh, available here because that gets into something else I wanted to talk about, which is that um, young cinephiles. This goes back to what you were saying about your classmates. Like young cinephiles have way more like specific taste than they did when when I was when I was like nineteen. You, you know, like um, the idea that like I, I'm trying to think of an uh, example. You know. Um, I didn't even know who Chantal Ackerman was until hmm. Doc Films in in Chicago while I was in while I was in college in Chicago. A different uh, for people who don't know, the University of Chicago has a I don't know if they still do, but they had a program called Doc Films that would just it was a repertory program at um, a big uh, uh, a big auditorium with uncomfortable wooden seats, which is the perfect place to watch all three hours plus of, of Jean Dillman. But that's what I, I went and saw it there. Like it was, it wasn't something like it wasn't out on the criterion channel or right. it wasn't a criterion channel. It wasn't out on criterion disc. Like the, the things that now seem like just understood parts of the canon were so obscure at, yeah. at, at, at the time. Um, and again, I, I don't want to sound like I'm saying they don't know how good they, they have it. It's just like, it's, it's very interesting to see people at a very young age be very specific on like a, a subgenre or a, uh, a, a nationality or something like something specific about, about film that you didn't like. I couldn't, I didn't have the resources to drill down when I was that age you know the the most obscure you know there wasn't anything more uh, obscure than what was in the like the foreign section at the at, at the video store even yeah. like a, a hipster video store like the one i w worked at um in in chicago like I, I think like 
it's interesting to think like we were something like, oh, they have a lot of cult and foreign movies. And by a lot, it was like a total of maybe like 160 to 200 yes. movies, you know? And yeah. like, it's, it, you were, it was so hard to do more than skim the surface um, uh, uh, back then. And I think that's, to me, as someone who follows younger cinephiles on, on Twitter, I like that I'm learning things from them. I'm not sure. I'm not getting bitter about it. I know it sounds like I am because I keep doing the thing of like, you know, we had to walk uphill both ways in the snow and stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, 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 I, I'm maybe a bit envious uh, of them, but there's... Yeah, I, I, it's one thing to say. I think, again, when, when maybe I'm just trying to let us off the hook, but like, I think you sound, you know, you sound like an old curmudgeon when you, when you say like, they should have it as bad as I did, as opposed to, I wish I had it as I wish I had these options when I was younger. Like uh, here's, here's an example. Um, You know, going back to school and just talking to like younger movie people in general, the conversation, let's, let's talk about um, like silent comedians. It's like, Oh, who do you like? Keaton, do you like Chaplin? Do you like Lloyd? What do you think of Langdon? When I was young, it was the video store has the gold rush. <laughs> That's what, and you're lucky you have that. Yeah. That's what you've got. It's why I drove all over the place looking for the general, which is, you know, the best known of Buster Keaton's film and thus the most accessible of the bunch. The concept of Lloyd, good Lord, no. It wasn't until I went to school and uh, I took a silent comedy class that I saw any Harold Lloyd or Langdon because up to that point, Lloyd's family was only allowing his work to be shown at colleges as opposed to now where you can find it on Criterion and various other places. Um, And so like now the conversation is which one's your favorite? Whereas when we were younger, the conversation was what have you managed to see? And, and it really is like, oh, it's my favorite this because it's the only thing that I, that I could watch. Um, and I, and I, so I think the conversation is different, but I think the conversation is probably better now um, because it's, I don't mean to suggest that you, that you and I were, you know, ignorant or anything, but like younger cinephiles um, who've had access uh to, to more movies and more TV shows, they're simply, I'm reluctant to say more informed because I don't mean to, to reduce film down to purely you've seen it and thus your opinion counts more, you know, it's nothing like that, but, but I do feel like you can, you can have more of a conversation about, you know, a director's inspiration or, you know, roots in a certain genre. If you've seen, things from that director or other directors or other genres and and that sort of thing. And so it, it definitely does change the conversation into a lot more. What is your preference uh, or what resonates with you as opposed to, Hey, any port in a storm you saw, you, you managed to see it's like, Oh, you, Holy shit. There's a letterbox section of blockbuster with maybe like, 25 movies there yeah. 
on VHS, like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. You know, like that's what we had. Yeah. And I wish I still had like my, I got rid of all my VHS, but like I would, when I, if I had like a Best Buy gift card, which is something that my family members would give me for, you know, birthdays and, and stuff sure. because they knew to like, I would, they had a letterbox section and like, yeah, 25 movies might even be overselling. Um, sure. <laughs> um, which is like why I ended up with weird. Like, I think I had, uh, Austin Powers, international man of mystery <laughs> letterbox VHS. Sure. I had, I had Braveheart. I had, I think I had a hunt for an October, uh, letterbox, hmm. uh, maybe, um, I might've had dust boot letterbox. Um, I believe I was fortunate enough that I think the first time I saw apocalypse now it was, yes, it was on VHS, but it was a letter, a letterbox VHS. And I was, you know, I was very excited about that. Cause I think I, I found that at the time that I was learning what letterbox is, there's another, like, there's another thing at this point, both movies and TV, the, like the concept of pan and scan is gone. That doesn't exist anymore, except maybe going in the opposite direction where TV shows like the Simpsons that were in uh, the, the more traditional like square aspect ratio uh, in order to make it fit like widescreen TVs, they'll like actually cut off the top and bottom. Thankfully, um, like Disney Plus with the Simpsons, like gave you uh, an option to to do something different with that. But um but yeah, so like there's another another thing, like another instances of of like younger generations because of DVD, Blu-ray and just streaming on widescreen TVs, like when they see these movies, they are seeing them outside of like in, in the, you know, if a movie was was made for a theater, um, right, right. like outside of that, they're seeing it the way the director meant it to be seen. Meanwhile, the first time I saw, like when they did that re-release of star Wars in 97 and I went to go see it and there were entire sequences that like blew my mind because I was only familiar with pan and scan. And then I was like, Holy shit. I didn't say that, but like, that was all the same. That was all one shot in the actual movie as opposed to cutting to this person and this person and this person within the same shot. And uh, yeah. And it just, whereas that's, you know, even the idea of like a full screen DVD, like that doesn't really exist anymore. That ended like probably 15 plus years ago. Um, So like, it's, it's not merely, it's not even the avail. It's not even purely the availability of the movies. It's also the, the film in its, in its truest form being available, which is something that we didn't have. Uh, well, this gets, you know, um, I, I want to change gears, I guess, to get into, cause <laughs> you just had a whole thing that you were right about saying, like, we should be happy for younger generations. Sure. Uh, but here's where they're wrong. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Cause trying so to be positive. You, so far you and I have been talking about access to older movies, mostly. Mm-hmm. Where I, where I start to see this point of view get sour is with the idea that movies, and this is on my mind because of the Cannes Film Festival, movies come out and certain people who are present at certain festivals, Cannes, Sundance, TIFF, 
South by Southwest, all of these things. Um, they get to see them, and then you've got viewers, you know, potential audience members who are like, "That's unfair. That's elitist that these people get to sure. see it. And I have to, 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 to wait to see it." Um, that's I, I think wrong because that's <clears throat> that's just part of the. There's a reason that movies come out that way. Yeah. You, you, you know, not every movie is Top Gun Maverick that's going to be right. open worldwide in, in theaters at the, at, at the same time. Um, the fact that you want to see this, you want to see Armageddon Time or Triangle of Sadness, where these movies that just premiered at Cannes, like the fact that you want to see it and can't yet is good for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, um, uh, now, if you want to, you know, I, I mentioned, I mentioned the term elitism. Um, and one asterisk, asterisk I will, I will put uh, as far as can is that, so I, I attend Sundance and I attend TIFF as a member of the press. And I get a press pass and I get to uh, usually that comes with a certain amount of screenings to tickets to screenings, but also access to all the press and industry screenings. But the thing is, I mean, you know, it's expensive and, and there's limited availability, but Sundance or Toronto, if you want, if anyone wants to go buy a pass and pay for lodging and all this stuff, you can, as a member of the public, you can attend these festivals. Right. Can on the other hand is an entirely press and industry uh, festival. So there is an argument to be made that there is some sort of there, that there is more gatekeeping going on there that, that, that something like Armageddon time or triangle of sadness or these movies that I'm looking forward to um, are only playing to insiders. Uh, I, I, I'm open to that criticism that they're that, and open to the suggestion that there should be a public wing of can, there should be public screenings. Um, I guess I, I guess I agree with you. Part of me feels like, you know, in in this instance, because it's very specific to like press and industry, as opposed to this is a screening solely for millionaires. Now, in the case of industry, that might be the case. Uh, it's a different thing. It's like people who are part of a certain group and showing this movie to that group does serve a function, as opposed to it's like we made a special movie. For, that's only for billionaires. <laughs> you literally can't see it yeah. if you're not a billionaire. I feel like that's a, obviously that would never exist. But and in the case of Ken, it's like these movies are playing there first, so they can build buzz within the industry and within and get distribution the, yeah, and get distribution. Worldwide. Yeah. So like, so it, it serves a function. If if literally every film festival were like that, part of me I'd probably feel different. But like it's can the nature of what can is, is that it's, it, it's a different vibe there. Um, so I'm more okay yeah, with it because of, because of it's that. Pure, it's like can is more purely a marketplace in many ways. Yes. Um, yes. Whereas like most festivals, major festivals are marketplaces because movies are looking to pick yeah. up distribution, but they also have this, like, it's a festival. It's a celebration yeah. of, of yeah. Um, can, and you know, I don't want to like, I feel like it's going to sound like I'm shit talking can just because I've never been, um, uh, but I don't think I ever will go. Uh, did I say this on the podcast already? Or did, was this not that I recall podcast that I don't think I can ever 
go to the Cannes Film Festival because I can't, I won't be able to handle the idea of only going once. Like, <laughs> okay. If I go to Cannes, I'm, I'm going to want to try and like arrange my life so that I can go every year. And, sure. Uh, because that's what I do for Sundance in Toronto. And I can't add not only a third festival, but an, it, like a overseas festival um i'm already leaving the country to go to toronto every year yeah um uh, i have to save some vacation days to you know go on vacation with my wife i totally get that i mean it's definitely like i'm i'm bummed that i have not gone to comic-con in a while i remember the first year that i went i was like oh this needs to happen again like this is not going to be like a one-time thing uh i need to get back here it gives you know i i do i do genuinely feel like just as as people we we need something to look forward to it could be a vacation it could be a trip it could be you know the release of a movie or 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 like a series you know the harry potter movies for example like i was always looking forward to the next one and i was always very aware of when it was coming out um and along those lines i will say uh to get back to our conversation yeah um there is something to be said um and i'm not going to say like thing you know what's better or or worse or anything like that but there is something to be said for the concept of anticipation um and the idea of of this movie exists and i want to see it as soon as it exists basically um it's like yeah you can be passionate and all that but it does make it makes it a little bit less special it makes it less of an event, even if you're just watching it at home. You know, like when I saw The Other Side of the Wind, I watched it at home because it was on Netflix. Um, I'm sure it played at a couple theaters here in Los Angeles. But, um, but you know, I just watched it that way, which is not, it doesn't seem like much of an event, but it sure was for me because it was a lot. It, it, in that case, it was a, a, quite a bit of anticipation. But um, but yeah, I do, I do think that... Uh, and, and this is something I guess that people have been talking about just with technology in general, the idea of like instant gratification, like it, it, it makes you treasure things a little bit less um, when it's like, I want this, I have it. Okay. What's the next thing I want? Um, and I think that's just human nature. I don't think that's generational. Um, but I do, I do wonder if, if movies are being, uh, or maybe art in general, but I'd say movies and TV in particular are being a little bit trivialized because you there's no sense of anticipation it's not a, a fun event uh, nor is it because with anticipation comes uh community and and um and and uh, a relational thing like the the idea of of hey this is the big movie that's coming out uh or or the next episode of whatever is is coming out and you're all anticipating it together and maybe you'll all watch it together. You'll certainly discuss it afterwards together. Um, but yeah, I, I do, I do think that like, I don't know the, the, the level of availability of things, I guess, I guess it's a different conversation. It's more about like the concept of distribution and release as opposed to just a level of availability that I'm well, talking about. But I mean, the, the two things obviously inform one another. Um, but uh, the reality of distribution is something you uh, just, just said that uh, reminds me of another thing that, that seems to come up every year around award season um, where you see on Twitter, people who live in smaller towns, smaller markets uh, to use a, a industry term 
complaining like i can't believe like it sucks that everyone in the big cities has seen red rocket and i have to wait sure five weeks for red rocket to come to to st louis or you know columbus ohio or whatever um uh but that's also just the 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 reality of a of a a small movie basically both having the resources you know to to you know um yes i know dcps are more portable than prints and stuff uh but you still have to pay for every DCP, you know, um, it's, uh, it's, it's not, it's not free. Um, it, it, but, but also smaller movies gain buzz that way. And I guess what I'd say, like, you know, I understand because I grew up in St. Louis and I was a cinephile in St. Louis and I had to wait until, you know, like, I don't think we got, um, uh, Amores Peros in St. Louis until like right before the Oscars because I remember going rushing to go cram in an afternoon screening of Amores Peros the day of the Oscars because is that right? Amores Peros was nominated for Best Foreign Film, right? It didn't. Uh, it, it I didn't don't actually know. Tambien. Maybe it was a different movie, but it was before Night Falls. Maybe there was some movie that was like nominated for Best Foreign Film that I like went in the afternoon and saw that day um uh, yeah now i'm um questioning whether or not it was amores peros but uh, uh it was let's see it says nominated for one oscar best foreign language film yes yeah okay so i'm pretty um, i'm pretty sure that my memory i shouldn't yeah, i shouldn't doubt my memory i'm getting old i'm not that old um uh, i so i am i am sympathetic and I, I know that that sucks but you know like we were saying in the first half of the episode you can kill the time you're waiting for red rocket to come to your town by watching hours and hours of classic and foreign film on sure. Criterion channel and HBO max, <laughs> sure. you know, you, yeah. The, but the last example I'll give the, uh, uh, that I'm so torn about, um, neon's release strategy for memoria, which is the okay. idea. That right. Will, which is your, oh, your favorite film of last year. Yes. 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 Okay. Um, in which I saw in a theater uh, during AFI Fest, but Neon said, "Like this is never coming out on any home video platform. This is only going to be a theatrical experience, and it's going to tour around the country, playing a week at a time or whatever." I can't remember all the details, but um, that was the uh, the idea, and I thought that was interesting. Like um, uh, the idea of it being a traveling. Uh, art exhibit and kind of existing outside and this is what i thought this is where i think they went wrong uh, even though i named it my favorite film of, of the year the idea of a movie that existed outside of that conversation yeah but the second i got my neon screener uh of my book of neon like for your consideration screeners and there was a disc of memoria in there i was like oh you guys once you crack the door open a little bit it's got to come all the way open. So people yeah. are going to, people are torrenting Memoria uh, left and right. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Cause I, I liked the idea, but they still wanted to play the award season game yeah. and uh, that kind of uh, cheap. Into, I mean, it worked. I named it my favorite film, film of the year, but uh, yeah, I don't know. You, you haven't seen Memoria, right? I haven't. And I don't know outside of, uh, you know, uh, borrowing your screener, which is obviously something we 
don't do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's I don't know like DVD, you know, it's not like, I know that's, I, I mean, I guess I understand why they would do that because like, it's cause you know, a Blu-ray player can play a DVD, but it doesn't go the other way, but, and also an individual Blu-ray is far more expensive to author than sure. an individual DVD. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, when you, when you describe Memoria and like what I've read about, it's like, oh, that sounds really great. But like, I don't know how I can see it in a way like that touring thing is it's not exactly the same as that millionaire billionaire thing I was talking about, <laughs> but it is like, and of course, you know, we live in Los Angeles, so it, it's going to come here, but like, imagine, you know, when we were living back in Springfield, now there now the Springfield A, which doesn't exist anymore, uh, that actually was kind of the art house theater. Like I, I have a very specific memory of like I saw time code there. You know, I went with a friend of the show, Jason Eakin, and, and there are a, a couple other people there. But like even it's like, wow, that time code is like even for the art house theater, I'm shocked that they got it. You know, because they also got like sweet and low down and uh-huh. affliction it's like but those have like movie stars in them but anyway I'm trying to think um, <laughs> what, what did you and i see at the springfield eight you know what i don't know if you and i ever saw ever saw anything at the springfield eight is that where do we see 15 minutes oh that was that was at campbell 16 was it really um yeah because okay. we were late for shadow the vampire right that's right yeah. um, um i think i might have seen a uh, a movie called Duets at the Springfield Eight with, uh, okay. with our friend Keith, but I don't think you sure uh, were there. Do you remember Duets with? Quentin I've not. I, I know of it. I have not seen it. Directed by um, Bruce Paltrow. But I do. But that's the thing is like it's, I I don't know if Memoria is going to come to Springfield, Missouri, and I guess maybe it's the idea. It's like if you really want to see it, hey, maybe pay attention when it's coming to St. Louis or Kansas City or something like that. But like, what if you live in, uh, frankly, a state that doesn't even have that kind of a metropolis, you know, or not one that the makers of uh, Memoria would think like, Oh, nobody wants to see it. And, you know, Bozeman, there you go. Um, you know, then you're, you're, you're out of luck a, a little bit. And I do feel like at the, while I like the idea of like, Hey, this is a theatrical experience. It's like, I, I, Hey, I'm, I'm all on board with that, but I don't know. It, it you're, you're preventing people from engaging with your art now. And it's something that they could actually find very enriching. And you're, you're denying them that, uh, because of, uh, this highfalutin idea that you have, which on one hand I respect, but on the other hand, I would rather more people see it, you know, uh, and more people be, engaged with it and talk about it and all that. Yeah. I'd rather that than like this kind of fun purist uh, experiment. All right. Well, I think uh, our, our movie journal this week was so long. Yes, it was. We we can keep this episode uh, uh, short. Um, I'm trying to look up and see if there is an art house cinema in Bozeman, Montana. I'm not uh, (laughs) seeing it, but I'm not entirely sure how to, uh, how to search for that sort of thing. So if you live in Bozeman, Montana or, environs let us know where you go see art house movies we're big we are big in bozeman david like uh, (laughs) we have a big spike over there uh i I will say sadly i looked up the academy cinemas in pasadena it does still exist but it is a first-run theater now Uh you can go see the bad guys and top gun maverick there right now but 
uh, unfortunately, that's it. Um, all right. Well, um, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can find movie reviews uh, there, and you can email us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. I'm on Twitter at Davy Pretension. My other podcast is called The One Where I Met Your Mother. It's where my wife and I watch an episode of Friends and an episode of How I Met Your Mother every week. Um, we, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's, it's great. It's a lot of fun. We got to wrap up. Uh, you can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Tyler, what do you have to plug? Uh, I'll just I'll just plug the the documentary again. Uh, Valley of Valley of the Shadow: The Rise of Christian. So nope nope nope. <laughs> I got I got my titles mixed up. Um, sorry, I've been I've I've I was on this this other thing promoting real redemption. So that's been on my mind today. Um, Valley of the Shadow: The Spiritual Value of Horror. While you're at it, check out Real Redemption: The Rise of Christian Cinema. But uh, check out the horror one first, which uh, just uh, at at a Christian film festival that is simply called the Christian film festival. Uh, it just won best documentary and best experimental film, which I, I find that. fascinating. Yeah. Cause part of me is like, well, if it's one, it's not the other. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know that there's experimental documentaries. I guess so. Yeah. But uh, I, I wouldn't, describe yeah no that movie as experimental which i think speaks to the judges of of the christian film festival yeah. uh that maybe they're they've not encountered like actual uh, experimental film but you know what it's a laurel that i'll be able to use so i'll take what i can get um but yeah so uh so you can find that at uh the rediscover television uh, uh streaming platform and you can actually uh rent it directly uh from vimeo all right. Well, um, thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 